Another edition of NFL Friday, Jackson Heil, Chris Faccio, your host this weekend. Chris, depression raining down in New York yet again. The Jets have yet to win a game, and the Giants somehow managed to lose last night, 22-21, at the hands of the Eagles. They led 21-10 with under five minutes to play, and somehow find a way to lose that game. So New York football teams are combined 1-12, and and we're going to get into it all. We're going to talk to uh, being the new starting quarterback in Miami, the 3-3 three and three Dolphins, who look like they are surging at the moment, but they make a quarterback change going to the bye. We'll get into all of that, but Chris, first we got to start with these Giants. Um, no other way to put it other than last night. It was a choke job. It, it really was, and Crazy to think that this one and six Giants team would be in first place last night had they come away with a victory. But the story of this Giants team continues to be they can't put away games. And it's crazy because I don't think they are a good football team personally. But week in and week out, they seem to find a way to be in games. Other than really the 49ers thrashing, they have been in games. And last night, they're in a situation where – they played really well for three quarters. They really did. The defense looked good. I mean, they were getting pressure on Carson Wentz. They forced a turnover on him. Offensively, Daniel Jones was making some plays. I mean, he had a big play at the in the first half to Golden Tate. We obviously saw the big run where he somehow managed to not find the end zone. But, again, they end up punching it in. And they lead by 11 with under five minutes to go. And to lose that game is unacceptable. I don't care if you have a first-year head coach. This is a game for first place. As crazy as that sounds, this was a game for first place in the NFC East, and the Giants found a way to lose a game. And, and that's unacceptable. And they're one in six. They represent what has been a terrible year so far for New York football. And it's been two sides of the spectrum. But I think as a Giants fan, the level of frustration is reaching peak levels right now. It really is. You said it best. You said this is not a good football team. It is not. It's not a good football team. But put it, they were trying to lose that game. They had to try to lose that game. It was the only way they were going to lose. And Evan Ingram, all he's got to do is yeah. catch that football. And we're talking about a Giants team that may be on their way to first place uh, pending a Cowboys loss on Sunday, but is at least in the mix. And the whole narrative all week is, why not us? We're in the worst division in the history of football. Why not us? We, you know, we have a chance here. And they did. They, they, they genuinely did. And, and they said, we don't want it. We don't want it because this is not a good Philadelphia team. Let's be clear. I mean, they, they play a good three quarters of football, maybe, but it's not a good Philadelphia team. It doesn't matter when you can't get it done in the fourth quarter. The frustration with this Giants team is not just that they can't win and they can't play defense or right now they can't run the football. They don't have Saquon Barkley, who's the cornerstone of this franchise. But it's Daniel Jones. That's the disappointment, is that Daniel Jones, who came into this year with a lot of optimism, and I continue to hear it every week. Oh, I see something from Daniel Jones. I still see something. It's enough with that because it's time to actually see something. Mm -hmm. Last 16 games the guy's played, he's thrown 16 interceptions. He's fumbled the football 20 times. Uh, What is that, you know? It's bad. It's bad. There's no other way to put it. And, and like you mentioned, this is the worst division in the history of the NFL. And I, it's, I mean, it's really not even that close. I mean, there, I believe there are six teams in the NFL with five wins. The NFC East as a whole going into the last night had five total wins between the Giants, the football team, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. They've managed to combine for five wins through six weeks. That's embarrassing. 
There, there's no other way to put it. And you said it best, too. Like, they had a chance. Like, the, the Giants were legitimately in a position last night where yeah. they could have been in first place at the end of the night. Heck, they were five minutes away from being in first place at the end of the night. And just everything falls apart. And, and the blame goes everywhere, too. Like, I completely agree with you. We're talking about Daniel Jones. This is a guy who we've seen flashes of, but in big spots, he turns the ball over too many times, like you mentioned. And I, I've never seen a quarterback with worse ball security in my life than Daniel Jones. It, it, it's really remarkable. And, and it's frustrating because you see the big plays he can make. I mean, not only with yeah. his arm, but with his legs. I mean, we saw him nearly break out an 80-yard touchdown if he didn't hit a turf monster on, like, the 20-yard line. But, like, this dude can make plays. It's it's honestly, it's similar to Sam Darnold in that fact where, like, you see him make plays and you're just like, wow. Like, this kid has the makings of a really good quarterback. And then two plays later, he's finding a way to put the ball on the turf. It's unbelievable. It's really unfathomable, to be quite honest. And the blame goes all around here, but I want to talk about the Giants organization as a whole right now. And I want to focus on Dave Gettleman because – this is a guy who was brought in here to fix things. He was brought in here to fix a franchise that since 2011 really hasn't done anything. Since they won that Super Bowl, they have not done anything. They had one playoff appearance that was entirely distracted by the fact that the entire Giants wide receiving corps, including Odell Beckham Jr., was on a boat in days prior. That, 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 that's been the lone postseason story of the New York Giants when they got smacked in Green Bay and Odell Beckham Jr. dropped about 18 passes. Since Dave Gettleman has gotten there, this organization has only gotten worse. They've plummeted. And and look at what their draft picks are doing on top of this, too. He traded Odell Beckham Jr., which is looking like an all right trade. But again, what did you really get from that? You got Jabril Peppers. He's a fine piece, but he hasn't done really anything. You have Dexter Lawrence, who is a fine nose tackle again, but he does a guy in that position just doesn't impact the game that much unless you're Aaron Donald right now. His first round picks of note have been Daniel Jones, who was a reach at the time, looks like a reach week in and week out with the way he turns the ball over, despite all the big plays he's able to make. And then Anthony Thomas, who was the first tackle taken off the board, first offensive lineman. He's looked like the worst of the big four offensive linemen that were drafted in the first round this year um, in Werfs, Wills, and Mekhi Becton, who the Jets ended up taking. Dave Gelbin has had a negative impact on this organization. I, I truly believe that. And we can talk all we want about the Giants' woes on the football field. A huge product of that is what's going on in the front office right now. And I, I really think that if the Giants are going to move forward and if the Giants are going to build a culture and build a franchise that is – meant to sustain winning, Dave Gettleman cannot be the guy in charge there. You just can't. You can only give him so long before you do pull the plug. I was hopeful. I was much more optimistic about this Giants team than the Jets team headed into this year. The difference between them is that this Giants team is in games. It's a Jets team that gets blown out every week. It's not even worth turning on the TV. It's not even worth spending any time, do something else with your Sunday, mm-hmm. watch the red zone, focus on your fantasy team. Don't turn on the Jets. It isn't worth it. The Giants have made it worth turning on the TV, especially in a division that doesn't deserve a playoff team. Let me say that. They don't deserve a playoff team. The NFL should should 
should say no. I mean, of course they shouldn't actually do that, but it, they should perhaps change the rule on the fact that this is a, a, the team that wins this division is going to get to host a game in the playoffs um, and, and have a chance at headed to a championship game. It's absurd, but on the Gettleman point, I, I you know, I, I, I like to think that this is a team that can, that can, that can turn it around. And, and I've heard many a times that the Daniel Jones turnover problem is something he can resolve, but you know, uh, it doesn't really work that way. I, I know it's one part of his game that we can focus on and say, yeah, if he fixes that, he'll be fine. If he stops fumbling, he'll be fine. But uh, it's easier said than done. It's clearly a guy who cannot avoid the fumble, cannot avoid the fumble, cannot avoid the interception at a key moment in a key place uh, in a key game. And that's the story with this New York Giants team. They can't beat this Eagles team. Uh, they're just cursed. And, uh, yeah, I'm out of words. I'm out of words for both New York football teams because I'm, I'm, I'm ready to cancel the cancel the podcast. Cancel cancel the, <laughs> the NFL Friday podcast. I, I, I love it, but but I can't. I can't. The uh, the heart rate's going too high. The frustration too high. The excitement too little. Cancel New York football. Cancel. It's, it, it's a love and hate relationship, and you know we've been on this podcast together way too many times, like way too many times, and and a lot of it causes great humor. It really does for those on the outside that get to watch us just yell about the Jets week in and week out, but. If you go back to every single episode we've done together, there has not been a single good moment regarding New York football in those times. And I am, I could not be more serious. We've been doing this podcast for two plus years now together where we've really yeah. been like fully involved. And I can't point out a single good Jets moment on this podcast. Nor, nor Giants, to no. be honest, either. And I, I'm more straying along the Jets side because I would say me and Chris are much more known for what we say about the New York Jets than what we will say about the New York Giants because the Jets have been in such a bad spot for the last decade in general with one little shining hope in there in Ryan Fitzpatrick when they went 10-6 and six and still found a way to miss the playoffs because that's just the New York Jets. We have done this podcast together for so long, and all we've had to say is negative things. And guess what? Like, you can consider us negative people. I am, I will say first and foremost, I am a very negative person. Chris, I've seen you watch sports. You are also a very negative person too. No, no offense there. It's my birth, it's my birthright. I mean, yeah. I, Jet fan, Met fan, you're going to be negative. We're born in that all way. Aspects. But Correct. When there are positive moments, I will point that out. I, I am very optimistic when it comes to my other teams for the most part, but it's gotten to the point where it's really unacceptable in New York. It's a joke. There, there's, and it's not even football. It extends way past that in terms of New York sports, but specifically this year, you're talking about a Jets and Giants teams that have one total win. And we're in week seven right now. We are in week seven and the Jets and Giants are a combined one in 12. How does that happen? And how is everyone not fired by now at this point? It's, it's utterly ridiculous. You're talking about a Jets organization that has the worst coach in the history of professional sports in Adam Gase. You're talking about a Giants organization that has hired Dave Gettleman to be the savior of this organization, yet he's a combined 10 and 29 now in year three. Like, when does the incompetence stop? 
That, that, that's what I want to know. That's really what I want to know is when will this incompetence stop? Because I don't see an end in sight at any point. It's a decade long problem for the Jets. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. You don't go back to 2011 to find a playoff Jet team. There was the one year they went 10 and 6 with Todd Bowles. We got excited. They went into Buffalo. They lost. They lost. They lost in Buffalo in week 17 and they didn't go to the playoffs. And it didn't matter. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was nothing you could build on. It was nothing legitimate. So we're talking about a decade of misery here. And, and I don't think I've ever seen it stack up to the point where it is now. I don't think I've ever been at a lower point as a Jet fan than I am right now. It is that low. And you're talking about a third-year quarterback who was drafted number three overall. And, and that's still the perspective. It, there's a head coach who, for what reason he's still there, I do not know. You can't square you, – you, you can't give me any reason for him to be there other than you want to lose football games, other than you want that number one pick. It, it's, this is not baseball. This is not a sport. This is not basketball. You can't tank. You can't tank in football. It's, it's, a, it's a poison to a locker room. You, you, it cannot be built the way you might want to build a baseball franchise and maybe you say, we're going to have a 62-win season and you don't get to enjoy baseball games. It doesn't work like football. We get one game a week every Sunday, and the goal is to win games. That's the goal. And that that that's not aligned with the Jets' strategies. They want to lose games is apparent. Um, and and, I, and I, I can't even do it anymore. I, I, I can't. I can't. Let's talk about the Jets for a second now, too. And you brought it up when you say the Jets want to lose games this year. And people will say, well, no, you don't want to lose games whenever. But every indicating sign points to the fact that the Jets are mightily interested in losing football games this year. Let's just go down the list. In the last two years, they hired Adam Gase as their head coach, who hasn't had an ounce of success since leaving Peyton Manning. After coming off a 7-9 season, which they were all right. They were all right. That, that was probably the most hope-inspiring season for the Jets of the last decade other than the Fitzmagic season, which is depressing in itself, but it's just the truth right now. You're coming off a 7-9 and nine season where you're supposed to build. You have a young core there with Sam Darnold, Jamal Adams, and a relatively young defense for the most part. What do you do? So you trade Jamal Adams, your best player, your culture guy on defense, and yes, they got a good package form back but again you're a team that's supposed to be building around Sam Darnold and building a team that can win a championship some days down the road so you trade your best player you release your best weapon on offense in Le'Veon Bell a guy who you paid a ton of money to come here and then you barely find a way to even use him in the offense and you give him three total targets in the passing game when he's arguably the best catching running back of all time so you, you end up releasing him because he can't even find a home for him via trade. You let Adam Gase continue to coach throughout all this when it's clear Sam Darnold's regret progression is getting plummeted into the ground. I mean, every sign there points to the fact that the Jets want to lose football games. And honestly, they may, they may at this point. And I don't blame them entirely for that if I'm Joe Douglas in this situation this year. Because Trevor Lawrence oh. is the prize and it has to be. But – at the same time, we just went through this three years ago where we wanted to get the top pick. We got it. We got Sandar. We got a quarterback. That era of losing is supposed to be over. When you get the quarterback, that's when you build forward. 
And everything since that has happened has gone in the opposite direction. They managed to go get worse from Jeremy Bates, who may have been the worst offensive coordinator in the league in his one year with the Jets. They managed to get worse than that in hiring Adam Gase and then just destroying this entire organization. I mean, I, I don't, I'm at a loss for words now, like you said, like, because I don't know what to think of Joe Douglas. I, I don't know what to think of him at this point anymore because I had a lot of hope coming in with him, Chris. I really did. He's a guy who had a ton of success in Baltimore. He was a huge part of building that Eagles championship roster as well. He was the guy that was supposed to be different. And instead, he's the guy that's held on to Adam Gase for now a year plus now with the worst team in the history of the NFL. I, I, I don't know what to do with myself. I really look, don't. Look, there, there's, a, there's a loyalty there between the two guys. That concerns me because they have a history together. And, you know, something that was flagged at the beginning. Hold on, that's a little weird. Adam Gase just hired the GM. Who's really the boss here? Well, maybe it is Adam Gase. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, it stems from the top. Uh, Woody Johnson went to take a job in the United Kingdom to be the ambassador. And so Christopher Johnson's running the franchise. So I don't know what the Johnsons are all about. I don't know what that's about. Um, Look, you, you, you talk about... Have we had any good moments, any good jet moments? The only ones that I can think about are, are draft nights. I, was, I often say draft night yeah. Draft night is like our Super Bowl because it's a moment where and we're always at the top. We're going to get a big prospect. I might not know much about him, and, you know, there's always hope, especially at the top of the draft. So that always inspires something. We went and got Sam Darnold. I bought his jersey the night of the draft, went right on, you know, went right on NFL.com, dropped the cash. What a waste of money. May as well throw it out because I'm really at that point. But, you know, uh, those are the few moments. And let me say this about Adam Gase. I am personally opposed to him. I I, I have a personal disdain for him about who he is. You know, this is not it, – it's not like Todd Bowles who was a bad head coach. It wasn't like Rex Ryan who became a bad head coach by the end there. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who is genuinely um, – He's I have a to jerk. censor myself. He's a jerk. I'll censor myself. He is just an unpleasant human being, <laughs> a, a, a really someone who I would not want to spend any time in company with. I mean, you know, and I hate to be mean. I hate to be mean, but but that's that's how he presents himself. You you could be that. You could you could be a jerk and be Bill Belichick. Yeah, you're you're Bill Belichick. You could be a jerk. You get six Super Bowls. You've Bowl earned that right. You've earned that right. You can you, you can be mean to report. He doesn't have that right. He has he doesn't he doesn't have a record. He doesn't have a he has a record of ruining quarterbacks. And they include Ryan Tannehill, who as soon as this guy gets out of his corner, Tannehill goes to Tennessee and he looks like a top ten quarterback in the National Football League. You might put him in that conversation. Look at everyone else too that's Kenyon left. Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, Mike Dusicki, everyone who's moved on from Adam Gase is having success elsewhere. And we seemingly the, have this discussion every single week on the show. It, it's, tired. It's, it's tired. It's tired. And it's not it, – the it, the worst part is, Chris, it's not going to stop until he's gone. Like, we're, we are not going to be able to stop having this discussion until he's gone. No, no, you, you can. And, and to me, I understand the idea now. It, it's very apparent to me that this is a team that does want the first overall pick. And, again, I do not believe in that in football. I, I, I just fundamentally 
don't think that you can try to build a team that's going to win next year if half the guys or more than half the guys in the locker room knew that that the brass was trying to lose games last year. That is toxic, and that won't work. So fire the head coach. Maybe promote somebody who's already on the staff. I don't know who you'd promote because there's nobody there. But maybe go outside, figure out somebody to be the interim head coach for the rest of the year, run the team. You're not going to win a lot of games. Maybe you'll win a couple. But you've got to instill the idea in this locker room that the goal is to win football games because as long as Adam Gase is there, that is clearly not the goal, or at least you're not communicating that goal. Trevor Lawrence, I'm I'm now on the board. I'm on board. I mean, if, if that's the guy, and if the Jets are in position, take him and 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 move. Turn the chapter. I can't believe I'm saying that after three years of Sam Darnold that we're already turning the page. But maybe you have to do it. And the only precedent that I look toward is Arizona, who drafted Josh Rosen in the same draft class, and they cut their losses. And I actually give them credit. At the time, I said, you drafted a guy that high in the draft, and you just said, I'm going to move away. And they took Kyler Murray, the first overall pick. And they're a franchise very much in recovery, pretty formidable. So if that's what you have to do, and you have to turn the page on Sam Darnold, it's going to sting. It's going to it's going to feel wrong and I'm going to feel very shorted, but maybe that's what you have to do. But first and foremost, uh, I'll continue to holler that Adam Gase uh, needs to be unemployed. He does. And I'm going to put myself in Trevor Lawrence's shoes for a quick second right here. I've seen a lot of memes on Twitter about how Trevor Lawrence should just stay another year. So he doesn't have to be in New York jet. And honestly, I don't, I wouldn't blame anyone for a second with that type of talent to do that. But you shouldn't be staying in school. It's The money is impossible to turn down, and I understand that. But if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm realistically considering saying, hey, I'm not going to play my senior year. I'm not going to enter the NFL draft. I'm going to take an entire year off, say lots of prayers that the Jets find a way to not end up with the first overall pick next year and just pray that I end up somewhere else. Because you just look at what this Jets team and what this Jets organization has done with quarterbacks in the past. It's toxic. It's completely toxic. It's a quarterback culture that is an absolute disgrace. And I've said this about Sam Darnold. I've said this about Dwayne Haskins. These guys have been put in impossible situations. And and Haskins is obviously a different story in Washington, whatever, and I'm not going to get into that. But Sam Darnold was never put in a position to succeed in New York. He's never had the weapons. And when he had the one weapon in Le'Veon Bell, he wasn't even touched. He wasn't even used for a single second during his time in New York. If I was Trevor Lawrence and I'm watching what this Jets team is going through, and Adam Gase is still the head coach when it comes draft time, I'm saying no. I'm, I'm going to either take a year off, go find myself, Go work out somewhere, get endorsement deals, whatever. Go back to college, do something. But I'm not entering the NFL draft for the Jets are picking number one. Or you do take the Eli route and say, if I get drafted by the Chargers, I'm not playing a single game for them. And if I was Trevor Lawrence, if I, I would say, if the Jets drafted me, I'm not playing a single game for this franchise. Plain and simple. And both Manning brothers did it. Peyton also stayed the extra year, didn't want to be a Jet. And it was wise. It was wise. Really There's wise. No way. There's no way that he would have had the success in New York. And and it's got to come along with what is a media environment here 
that will tear you to shreds if you suck. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it all the time. We, you know, I, I didn't always believe that that was really a factor, but maybe it is. And it just eats quarterbacks alive. You're absolutely right. But one distinction that I've always made is that Sam Darnold is not Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez was, um, there was a, there was a, there was a void of talent. That is not the case with Sam Darnold. The, the guy can throw the football and we know it. Uh, we saw it both in college and at times at the professional level. And I believe he'll have success in another place, but it just doesn't feel like it can be the environment for him. And he's most likely going to play on Sunday. And, and look, that's for the better. The more games that he plays, the better idea that we have, because there's also a part of me that wants a, a new system for him and a new chance uh, because he is a young quarterback. You know, he is 23 years of age. So, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant, uh, it's a constant disappointment there. The thing that, that I've always said is that uh, at least we're not the Browns, but I didn't get the, it, the it's now become, it's now becoming, at least we're not the Jets for it is every that. other it, team. It becomes, for every, that is what it is. That. It used to be Cleveland. Now it's fully centered on the New York Jets. And right. here's the thing I'll say about Sam Darnold too. If and when he gets traded, I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes. Because that dude was never given a chance to succeed in New York. Yeah, he had the injuries. And, and yet people will point to the fact that he regressed this year. And I, I think that is a fair point. Because Sam Darnold has not looked like Sam Darnold from years one and year two. And, and that's a problem in itself. However, we look at the talent surrounding him. We look at the system he is in, like you mentioned, with Adam Gase. There was no position for him to succeed here. Like, I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious what Patrick Mahomes would do in this offense. Cause I, I'm honestly as good as Patrick Mahomes is, and this is going to sound ludicrous. I don't think he'd be doing a whole lot with this offense personally. And, and he is a terrific quarterback. He's arguably the best arm talent of all time. I can't say he would be doing a whole lot with this offense. And, and that's not saying he wouldn't be good, but, um, because I think he still would be find a way to be good in New York, even with the crap that's in front of him. But I don't think it's crazy to say that you put any quarterback in the NFL in this offense and they would be running through a lot of obstacles and there would be a lot of struggles along the way, even with the best of them. And that includes Mahomes. That includes Aaron Rodgers. That includes Russell Wilson. They would be struggling to find success in Adam Gase's offense. That's how bad it is. Just a fact. And, like I said, I'll be rooting for Darnold elsewhere. I do think he will have success. And if I was a skill position player on the open market and I had a chance to retire or play for Adam Gase, I would retire. That's how bad it's gotten to. There, there's no reason to even suit up in an Adam Gase offense. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm pissed off. And I, I don't really want to get further into it because we just I'll talked a lot about the New York Jets. Before we go I'll to picks – we got to talk about one more thing, and that was the opponent of the New York Jets this past weekend. The Miami Dolphins announcing that after the bye, they will shift from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tua Tagovailoa. Dolphins look good right now, Chris. They're 3-3. Three and three. Ryan Fitzpatrick has the seventh-highest QBR in the entire National Football League, yet they're still making a quarterback change. And honestly, it's hard to blame them if Tua is actually ready. And that's a question that's itself because given the injury to was coming off of there are lots of questions about whether he would be ready even ever again to be honest because we've seen that type of hip injury and careers example being Bo Jackson 
But here's where I, I just want to say I feel for Ryan Fitzpatrick because Ted dude has been everywhere. He's experienced almost everything you can in football as a starter, as a backup. Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing some damn good football in Miami, coming off of two blowout wins. Yes, one being against the Jets, but the week before, he punished a really, really good 49ers defense. And now he's getting benched. And I'm not saying it's the right or wrong decision, but I just want to say that I do feel for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the comments he made, should those have maybe stayed behind closed doors? Yes. But I still feel for that, man, because that dude works his ass off every time he's out there and wears his heart on his sleeve. And when he's performing like he is, he doesn't deserve to get benched. But, again, that's just the real world, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, Ryan Fitzpatrick is 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 all past, and Tua is all future. So, you know, this is a move that you know maybe I'm in a minority here, but I I actually support. I mean, it's got to be based on a couple things. Number one, you have to believe that Tua gives you as good a chance to win games or better, and that's a hard case to make when Fitzpatrick has played well, he's produced, and the Dolphins are competitive in the AFC East. But they've got to believe that. I have a feeling that they were looking at after the bye week for a long time um, as the time they were going to do this. Look, if you had Tua on the bench riding behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for the entire year, it's possible that Ryan Fitzpatrick brings this team to the playoffs, maybe precisely because he has a young, promising quarterback sitting on the bench with the potential to take his job. I understand that that would be a motivating factor. But if you're the Dolphins, you have to ask yourself the question, How worth it is that? Yeah, maybe we deliver our fans a playoff season similar to how the Jets delivered their fans a 10-6 and year, didn't end up in the playoffs. But under Ryan Fitzpatrick, we're able to have success. Yeah, it's nice. It's short-term, but it doesn't go much further. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a franchise quarterback. So you have to be realistic here, and you have to make a tough choice. I like it. You do it right before the bye week. You make a transition. It's not going to be easy. Maybe it creates a locker room rift. But Tua is the guy in Miami. And and that's plain and simple, the facts. They believe that, and I believe, that Tua is as talented a guy who could take this Miami team to real success where they can be threatening in a division that looks wide open right now. So I actually support this move. I You said a few things that I definitely agree with, and I, I want to acknowledge this as well. I said this on one-on-one, and I will say it again. If Tua Tagovailoa is ready to play quarterback right now, it's a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer move moving on from Fitzpatrick, even with as good as he been. I, I, I feel sympathy for Fitz because I, he doesn't deserve this. But at the same time, it's just the reality of the situation where the Dolphins are in the midst of a rebuild right now. You know, and, he knows what he's signing up for yeah. when he goes to Miami. You know, And he said that to begin with, too. He said this early on in the season, basically saying, when two is ready, I'm going to be his biggest cheerleader. What I didn't like from Fitz is that he came out and basically made the comment saying, like, he was kind of being like the woe is me type, which, oh, yeah. uh, which again, like behind closed doors, completely understand that. That's a frustrating reaction. It's a frustrating thing that's happened to him. Don't go out and make the comment saying like, yeah, I had to sit with the coach that essentially fired me and my replacement for four hours in Zoom meetings. Um, but back to my point about Tua. If he is ready and if he is healthy, which both appear to be true right now, this is a no-brainer move for the Miami Dolphins. He is the future of this organization. Do it now when you realistically know you don't have a chance 
to go win a Super Bowl. And I think the Dolphins know that. They're they're not winning a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, they've been three and three. Yeah, they're off to a surprising start and they've been mighty impressive. But again, you're talking about you're in a tough division in the AFC East. You're in a tough AFC in general. The Dolphins aren't going anywhere this year. Two years down the line, they might. And this block of experience from Tua Tagovailoa could be the difference in them winning a Super Bowl, them not. Because now you get all the kinks out with Tua. You get all the flaws out that happened year one. You get all the rookie mistakes out. This is the time to do it. And if he is ready and he's healthy, which both appear to be true, I think he should absolutely be the guy. And I agree with you, Chris. I think Brian Flores is making the right decision here. And look, final point I'll make is that, uh, you know, to me, it's better for him to inherit a three and three team that's right now second in the AFC East than for him to inherit a sinking ship 0 and 6. You know, that is often the worst place you could put a rookie quarterback in. Right now he gets a team that is competitive. There is pressure to perform. That's a great point. You know, because it was so controversial, him taking this job, there's a burden on him to go out and compete and play his best football. And if he's healthy, which we can only assume he is, it's impossible for us to really ascertain. Okay, he's got a three and three team that's second in the AFC East. Go get him. Go get him. And that's the that's the message. They get the bye week. They get him ready. And he's going to go play football. It's the right move. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's an old guy. Uh, it's plain and simple. He, he's not a franchise quarterback. Chris, I think that's a great point about going into a team that's three and three, that's trending in the right direction. We have a lot of good vibes going on in Miami right now, as opposed to yeah. a, a team that could be completely sinking and where you know that you have to go to it. And two is in a great situation. Credit to Miami for keeping him in a good situation. And honestly, credit to a lot of the organizations other than the New York Jets that have managed to put their young quarterbacks in good situations. Even the Chargers who have not had a good record this year and the success for Justin Herbert hasn't showed up in the record and the win loss column yet. It's still a good situation for him where he's got a good offensive line. Yes. Austin Eckler's hurt, but he's been able to utilize the run game. He's been able to utilize his legs and he has receivers around him that can play in Miami. Two has got weapons. Two has got a defense behind him that is going to support him on the offensive side of the ball as well. And he's also inheriting a team that's right in the hunt for a playoff spot right now. So couldn't agree with you more there. That'll wrap up our conversation about the NFL right now. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. It's it's my favorite segment mostly just because I don't have to be upset about the Jets, yeah. honestly. That, that's what Pickums has come to, and that's how sad football has been in New York lately. But it's time for our Pickums segment. And, Chris, let's get started. Our 1 o'clock game's on Saturday, and we're going to roll in in Atlanta. Lions and Falcons, two teams, really slow starts. Lions two and three, Falcons one and five. Falcons coming off their first one of the year in the post, Dan Quinn era. This is a tough game. I think both these teams are a lot better than their record indicates, but I'm going to roll with the Falcons just because they're at home, but I think this is going to be a tight one down the stretch. I think the Falcons pick up a little bit of momentum. And I think, uh, you know, especially with the new man at the helm and the 0-4 start was, 0-5 start was, to me, much worse than this team actually is. And I think they'll pick up a couple wins, and I think uh, the Lions will be one of those. 
So both rolling with the Falcons. Browns and Bengals. Browns coming off a miserable defeat at the hands of the undefeated Steelers. Bengals looked like they were trending in the right direction. We're winning big against the Colts on the road. They end up blowing that one fall to 1-4 and 1. I think I'm rolling with the Bengals in this one. As good as the Browns have been this year, and as high as I am on them, they have a quarterback problem. Baker Mayfield has looked miserable these last two weeks. Four picks combined in his last two games. I like the Bengals to win this one. I think Joe Burrow is trending in the right direction, and I think the number one pick picks up a big win at home. Yeah, and look, the Browns have got to play the Steelers better than they do. I mean, it seems when they play competitive football teams, they, they just can't find their way, and that's sort of the measure of a good team. So I'm going to go with the Bengals team, too. I'm actually with you wow. here. I mean, Cle- Cleveland a clear favorite, but I like Joe Burrow a lot. I I, I feel like he's due for a, a pick-me-up win, a, a moral victory that we'll all tune into. It's a Browns team that's pretty good. They're 4-2. and two. They should be competitive for a playoff spot, but they'll find a way to shoot themselves in the foot, and I think losing to the Bengals will play a large part in that. So I'm going to take uh, Burrow and uh, the Bengals. They're both on the same page right now. Game of the week, arguably, in Nashville this week. Steelers and Titans, both at 5-0 and right now. Titans coming off a big come-from-behind win. Derrick Henry, a monster performance to beat the Texans in overtime. Steelers look real sharp right now, though. And even on the road... This Pittsburgh Steelers defense is legit. And I think if there's one team that's going to be able to slow down Derrick Henry, it is this Pittsburgh Steelers front seven. So for that reason, I'm rolling with Pittsburgh. Also, let's not sleep on Ben Roethlisberger. That dude looks low-key like an MVP candidate right now. That's what I'm talking about, and I didn't see it coming. And this is a Steelers team that has impressed me. The defense is ferocious and... The offense is working. Everything's working in Pittsburgh. But uh, I really like Tennessee. I, I think they have every part of their game working on the ground. I like Tannehill. I like the defense. So I'm going to go the other way here and take uh, this Tennessee team at home. Panthers and Saints in the Superdome. Real good matchup in the NFC South. I, I like this Panthers team. I think they look terrific under Matt Rule. Bit of a dud last week against Chicago. A good Chicago team, that is. But I think I'm rolling with the Panthers in this one. Teddy Bridgewater revenge game. He was undefeated as the Saints starter last year. I think he should have been honestly the starter this year for the New Orleans Saints. But he's a new Panthers quarterback. I'm rolling with uh, with Carolina in this one, even on the road in the Dome. Yeah, I, 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 this is a, a trendy pick to go Panthers over a Saints team that looks pretty vulnerable this year. But they are still the New Orleans Saints, and I'm not going to run away from them. And, uh, you know, I think they win at home here. All right, here we go. Jets and Bills at MetLife. The line is minus 10.5 right now, which is insane to me because you're talking about a Jets team that has a minus 100-point differential. I think it might be minus 200 at the end of this game. I like the Bills to slaughter the Jets on the road. Sam Darnold might be back, but again, this offense has looked miserable regardless of who was at quarterback. So I like the Bills, and I like the Bills to cover. Again, the the Jets shouldn't even show up to this game. They should uh, send the Bills a a notice beforehand that they'll uh, be forfeiting the game, and and that really goes for the rest of the, the calendar. There's no point in playing the team that does not want to win football games. So, of course, Buffalo wins this game. I'm always skeptical about these lines, and 
the, the Jets sometimes find a way to make things interesting, although they haven't done it at all this year. I'm more looking toward next week where I think the line is more than 20 points already against Kansas City. Maybe they cover. Who knows? doesn't matter. They're going to lose. That's my pick. All right, moving into the NFC East. Cowboys and the Washington football team. Man, this is an ugly one. I, the Red Rocket looks terrible last week at home. I don't know who the hell is playing quarterback this week for the Washington football team. Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Wayne Haskins. Who knows who we'll see at quarterback. I mean, you might as well put me at quarterback right now. I'm rolling with yeah. Dallas. I think they'll be able to do enough offensively. Washington couldn't beat the Giants last week. That's going to tell you all you need to know about this football team. I'm rolling with Dallas. I mean, it's a Cowboys team that is almost as pathetic as the Washington football team. I mean, they've got nothing going for them, of course. No quarterback, but even when they had Dak Prescott, they couldn't find a way to win big games. I mean, this is this is such an ugly division, and uh, I'm sure it'll be an ugly game, as was Thursday night um, between the, the Giants and Eagles. Give me the Washington football team. Why not? There's a decent chance the winner of that division goes 5-11, and 11, and it honestly yeah. wouldn't surprise me either because there's not a single good team in this division. Moving on, Packers and Texans. In Houston, one of the more exciting games of the week, in my opinion. You're going to see a lot of points in this one. Packers coming off a big loss on the road, giving up 38 unanswered to the Bucks last weekend. Texans look good, man. Uh, offensively, yeah, they're 1-5, but since Bill O'Brien was fired, this team looks like they're firing on all cylinders on offense. And a game they had last week, should have won. I think I'm rolling with the Texans at home. I should never get bet against Aaron Rodgers coming off a loss, but... With the way Deshaun Watson's playing these last two weeks and the way the Texans are trending, I like Houston at home in this one. It's clearly a Texans team that's a lot better than 1-5, and and they've made the right decision to part ways with Bill O'Brien. You would would hope the Jets would think in in similar terms to the Texans and Atlanta, who have parted ways with... You would think. You would think. You would think. But again, we we understand the goal of of the Jets right now is not to win games. But again, I, I... always find my way back to them. Texans and Packers, look, Texans are good. They're better than one and five, but this is a Packers team, like you said, coming off a loss that I think bounces back potentially in a big way. And I think Aaron Rodgers uh, goes into Houston and beats this Texans team. Let's move on to the four o'clock games. A good one out in Vegas. Bucks and Raiders, four and two Bucks, three and two Raiders. I'm rolling with Vegas in this one. Bucks coming off a big win. It's tough to win on the road, especially in Las Vegas, and this feels like a letdown game for Brady and the gang, so I'm going to roll with Vegas. I like Vegas. I like Tampa Bay a little bit more. I, I think it's I think it's time for them to assert themselves as a serious team in the NFC. We gave them a couple weeks. Uh, I, I think it's fine time for Tom Brady to to transition back to Tom Brady. I think this Buccaneers team is is a serious threat to win this division. And uh, I, I think they'll make a statement against the Raiders. Certainly are, and certainly should be a good one on Sunday. Let's go out to Mile High. Chiefs and Broncos. One of the biggest surprise results last year was when Drew Locke and the Broncos went into Arrowhead last year and really blew out the Chiefs in the snow. Chiefs get at revenge on the mind. Even though it is a tough game and a tough place to play at Mile High Stadium, the Chiefs are rolling right now, and they're coming off a big win on the road in Buffalo. I like the Chiefs to keep rolling in this one. 
as a principal, I pretty much won't pick against the Chiefs. They will have a game or two where where a bad team is going to beat them. Is it the Jets next week? Who knows? Probably not. Definitely not. Definitely but not. here, uh, <laughs> twenty-two points in that one, by the way. Yeah. Opening line, Jesus. Let's see the Chiefs beat the Broncos, and then they'll 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 do the same uh, against the Jets. 49ers and Pats in Foxborough. This is an interesting matchup because the Pats are coming off a loss at home to those Broncos that we just talked about. A game where they didn't even give up a touchdown and they only managed to score 12 points. But New England at 2-3. 49ers coming off a big Sunday night win over the Rams. I think Bill Belichick gets back on track. He does not lose three games in a row. I don't see it happening in this one as well. Yeah, I got this game circled, and I think it's going to tell us a lot about the Patriots. If they bounce back, okay, they're still the Patriots. Uh, they're still led by Bill Belichick. If they don't and they fall to 2-4, and four, and they'll be the third-place team. They are the third-place team in this division right now, but they'll, 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 they'll fall into that in a more serious way at 2-4. and four. Then, then I'm really starting to think that uh, this is not the same Bill Belichick-led Patriots. And I think the 49ers make that statement this week because – they are a better football team. I love what I see on defense there. On offense, I think the Niners beat the Patriots in Foxborough. Wow. So an interesting pick there from Chris. 49ers going on the road to win. Last 425 game, Jaguars, Chargers, two one-win teams out in California. I want to pick the Chargers. I think they're going to win, lead this game by about 25. It's just a matter of will they find a way to blow it. I don't think so. I think this Chargers offense is going to be too good for Jacksonville. As much as I like Gardner Minshew, um, I'm rolling with L.A. in this one. I'm with you here. Uh, I think the Chargers pick one up against the Jaguars team that's not very good. I, I and I And I also like Herbert. I think there's a lot of promise there. I think L.A. Uh, wins this game after a heartbreaker last week. Sunday Night Football, Seahawks and Cardinals. That's one out in Arizona. Really good battle in the NFC West. And the NFC West is good this year. You got the Hawks, you got the Cardinals, you got the Rams as well, and the aforementioned 49ers who were in the Super Bowl last year. This is a tough game to pick, man. The opening line is Seahawks minus three and a half. I think I'm rolling with the Cardinals in this one. And I, listen, they've let me down this year already. They got off to a really hot start couple bad losses in between there but I like this Cardinals team to get it done I think this offense is rolling right now I like what they're doing in the run game Kenyon Drake's getting it going Chase Edmonds a Fordham guy also is doing some great stuff in the backfield and Kyler Murray looks terrific I'm a big fan of his and I think he's going to be really good against the Seattle secondary on Sunday night best part of your pitch is Chase Edmonds it, it automatically makes the Cardinals my second favorite team but uh it's a Seahawks team that is just too good. I also like the Cardinals a lot, but they're younger. They're not there yet. It is the best division in football, but the Seahawks get the edge here. They outmatch a Cardinals team. That is on the up and coming, but uh, I can't bet against Russell Wilson. Can't blame you on that, Tony. He looks like the MVP right now. As we move to Monday Night Football, final game of the week, a good one out in L.A. once again. Rams and Bears. Bears, probably surprised team in the NFL this year. Matt Nagy has... Things going in the right direction. Nick Foles playing well since becoming the starting quarterback. And the Rams looked good to start the year, but coming off a bad performance, Sean McVay's going to learn from his mistakes, I think, of last week when they got blown out by the Niners on the road. I like the Rams to get it done at home. And 
I, I think the magic is going to slowly start dwindling for this Bears team, even though I am a huge fan of what they do on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, and I like Matt Nagy, and uh, and obviously it's a Bears team that has shocked everybody. I, I don't think they're a true five and one team. I, I agree that they slip, and uh, I thought that they were maybe the third best team in this division. So I'm more surprised right. than anybody. It's a Rams team that is very good, and Sean McVay always reminds us of that when the Rams don't play well. So I think they come back on Monday Night Football and find a way to beat the Bears. Well, that'll wrap up our Pick'em segment. That'll wrap up our show. Chris, a pleasure as always, even despite all the misery that is going on in the landscape of New York football. We always find a way to somewhat enjoy ourselves on this podcast, despite continually poking needles in ourselves mentally. But once again, from Chris Boccia, I'm Jackson Heil, NFL Friday, Week 7 edition. Stay tuned next week for Week 8.